the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, opens up your eyes. Mercy is every sunrise. You can search for it high and low, and the world can pretend to promise it, but it cannot deliver it. Only Jesus offers the ultimate peace that we need in our hearts. So if Jesus promises peace, unlike the world or anyone else offers, why isn't it important to me to read what Jesus says so that when I sit at his feet with the Bible and I read the words of Jesus, what happens? He brings me peace. He brings me peace. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel, Italysburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. In the chaos and confusion of our daily lives, this world will always offer us an abundance of alternatives to Jesus, but nothing satisfies, restores, and fulfills a life like Christ can. Who do you turn to when things go wrong? How do you try to deal with stressful decisions or or challenging heartaches or the uncertainty of potential opportunities? Is Jesus the first person you go to? In today's message, Pastor Gary will show us how Psalm 119 points us to Jesus, the only one you can always count on to give you authentic peace in troubled times. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, with part two of his message, the blessings and benefits of the Bible. Now your spirit is the word in the Greek, pneuma. Uh, it translates literally breath. And everything related to breathing has that prefix in our English language. Uh, pneumonia. When you have, you know, an infection of the the ability to breathe. So pneuma, spirit, is that which is the real essence of who you are. The real essence of who you are that will live on after your flesh dies and decomposes. Your spirit lives on. Your spirit will never die. Your spirit lives forever. The question is, where will your spirit live? Because if you have relationship with God, your spirit lives forever with the Lord. If you don't, your spirit lives forever separated from him. But your spirit will forever live. And your spirit retains your soul, so you still have the capacity to think, reason, feel, the experience of, of your mind. Okay. And by the way, the Bible indicates that your spirit shares a likeness to your physical body. Because in the story of the Gospels, when Jesus was being transfigured... On the mountain, and he had Peter with him. Peter, it says, recognized that with Jesus was Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses and Elijah had been dead for hundreds of years, but they appeared with Jesus, and the likeness of their spirit was such that Peter recognized them for who they were, which is good news. Look, this is encouraging news, because when you go to heaven, 
If you know Christ as your Savior and you, you find other people there that your loved ones who have gone before you, you will be able to recognize them and they you. Okay, now, I'm breaking this all down because we have to understand that in the mystery of this miracle, what happens is that when a person gets saved, that is to say, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, by his spirit, he comes within you and gives life to that which was dead. Your spirit had no life. You were created body, soul, and spirit, but your spirit had no life. You know, you talk about zombies. We are the walking dead, friends. We are the walking dead. Your spirit has no life. But when a person receives Christ by faith and says, I believe in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins, and I ask him into my heart, God breathes his life, that pneuma, the spirit of God, then comes within you and quickens, awakens, gives life to your dead spirit. The Bible says it this way. Paul said in Romans eight eleven. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So I say all of this because when the psalmist says, hey, when I read your word, it reminds me of your nearness. We need to understand that the nearness of God as a Christian you can't get any further away from God than you can get away from yourself. Because the very presence of the Lord is within you. But sometimes we forget that. Because of the pressures of this world and the cares of this world and things that come crowding in. And so it is good to read the Bible and let the Bible be the eyes for what I cannot see. And remind me that God is with me and God is in me, and he will never leave me nor forsake me. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. The next section I want you to look at with me starts in verse 153. It is the Hebrew letter resh, resh. Verse 153, look upon my suffering and deliver me, for I have not forgotten your law. Defend my cause and redeem me. Preserve my life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek out your decrees. Your compassion is great, O Lord. Preserve my life according to your laws. Many are the foes who persecute me, but I have not turned from your statutes. I look on the faithless with loathing, for they do not obey your word. See how I love your precepts. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your love. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. So I'd like to highlight verse 155 in this section, which says, Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek out your decrees. Now, the implication there is that if the wicked would seek out God's decrees, they would find salvation. Because God has revealed his plan of salvation throughout his decrees. The Bible is a handbook about the salvation of God. And so it's number 20 on our list. The Bible reveals God's plan of salvation. Now, for those of you who have been going to church for any period of time, or if you've been a Christian for very long, you, you, you know your Bibles, you understand this. But for the sake of those who are new to church, or maybe you're not even a Christian at all, let, let me explain what this means. Because it, it speaks here about God's plan of salvation. What, what is that talking about? Well, first of all, the word salvation implies the need 
to be rescued or saved. When, when we say salvation, we're implying the need to be rescued and saved. And the Bible describes the human condition for every single one of us as needing to be rescued and saved. Why? Because of a, of a terminal illness that we are all dying from. And it's called sin. Sin has plagued the human race ever since Adam rebelled against God. We've inherited that sin nature. Now, sin in its basic definition means we don't measure up to the perfect standard of God. But in addition to not measuring up, sin also means that we deliberately violate the perfect standard of God. So sin is not only about my condition, it's also about my conduct. It, it, is, it is how I'm born. I, we are born sinful, conceived in our mother's womb with a sin nature. And because we have a sin nature, we sin. And we sin because we have a sin nature. So it is not measuring up to the perfect standard of God. It is also deliberately violating the perfect standard of God by the terrible things that we do. And there is no cure, humanly speaking, for this terminal disease. There is nothing that I can do or you can do to undo our terminal illness of this sin condition. It is something that we are all dying of. And you cannot try to compensate for bad behavior just by doing a lot of good things. Behavior modification, while noble, cannot save anyone from the underlying illness that is killing everyone. Behavior modification might work in some aspects of like trying to discipline your life regarding certain things, but it will not cure the underlying illness. All of us need salvation that's the word that is used here and the salvation comes through a savior and his name is jesus and the bible makes it clear in acts 4 verse 12 that there is no other name given under heaven given unto men by which we must be saved and that name is jesus and and the bible indicates to us this wonderful opportunity that god has given all of us in the human race to respond to his love by accepting what Jesus did on our behalf. It is the story of a great exchange. What happens is that God looked upon all of humanity, past, present, and future. Isaiah 63 verse 5 says that he realized that there was no one who could remedy this problem. So he says his own arm worked salvation for him. And his plan of salvation was to offer his son in exchange for our sinfulness. That his perfect son would die on our behalf and that his righteousness would be imputed to us by faith. That every sinful, evil, wicked thing we'd ever thought or done was placed on Jesus on the cross. He takes the wrath of God. He assumes the punishment intended for us instead. And the Bible says by his crucifixion, by his stripes, we are healed. We're made whole if we put our faith and trust in what Christ did. That's the remedy. That's the plan. And the Bible expresses this plan. So God's salvation is revealed to us from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. All throughout the Bible, it speaks of the story of salvation from the beginning of the human race and the fall of man to the rescuing of the human race through the Son of Man, who is Jesus. That's the sum total of your Bibles. Then it gives the background. It goes all the way back to when man was created and how man fell and how he disobeyed against God and then the sin nature and how that corrupted all of us. And then God enters the world scene with a plan to rescue us, to save us. 
And this is the wonderful story of the Bible. And as I read the Bible, I come to understand the sin problem and the God solution. That I am a sinner by nature, and by nature I sin. But that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And whoever believes in him shall not be condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because he has not believed in God's one and only son. That's what the Bible teaches. In other words, there is no other cure. If you don't accept this, there is no remedy for your terminal illness. Now, this is where people have issues with Christianity. Because a statement like I just made sounds so exclusive, and it is, that people kind of tremble at this. They're like, oh, this is the problem I have with Christianity. You guys make this exclusive claim that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and that sounds so intolerant. That sounds so narrow-minded about other ideas and other world religions and other paths. Let me say this to you, and I say this with absolute respect and love for you. The only reason you think that is because you have not come to grips with your desperate condition. When you come to grips with your desperate condition, when you realize the sin problem of your own heart... You will not balk at the idea that there is one way to get to heaven. You will rejoice and be grateful that God made a way to heaven and invited you. Let me illustrate this. Several years ago, uh, when the kids were little, Terry and I took them to Hershey Park. I think it was one of the kids' birthdays. So we went to Hershey Park, and we stayed that night at a hotel. And in the middle of the night, we're in Hershey, Pennsylvania. In the middle of the night, the hotel alarm, fire alarm goes off. Now, you know, I'm one of these people like, oh, you know, it's probably not a real fire. <laughs> Let's just go back to bed. And, um, and Terry's like, you know, I think we probably should call down to the front desk. This, this could be a real fire. So she calls. And, and the lady at the front desk says, yes, this is a real fire. Please get out. So I, I get dressed. We dress the kids. And they're just little. And we scoop them up. And, and we get to, the, you know, what do you need to do? You need to learn what's the exit route. So I'm looking at the map on the back of the door of our hotel room. Okay, and the alarm's going off, and the, and, the, and the craziness, and the commotion, and people are, you know, running out in the hallways. And so I'm looking at the map on the back of our door, and the little red arrow to show where the exit is, and I just pause. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm a little offended. These hotel people actually are trying to tell me there's only one way. I can't believe the arrogance, the narrow-mindedness. I'm just going to sit, kids, just put your stuff there. We're just going to sit here and protest. The bigoted hotel people are actually trying to tell me there's a... Do you think I thought that? No. I didn't think that. Why? Because I understood the desperate condition that we were in. I looked at the map. I saw the red arrow. I gladly and quickly followed it. And all of us were rescued. Okay? So listen. The reason why sometimes you think it's offensive that there's one way is because you have not yet come to grips with your own desperate condition. And once you do, you will run like a scolded dog to the arms of Jesus. You will. You'll run to the arms of Jesus. And so the Bible reveals God's plan of salvation from cover to cover. Acts 16.31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Look at the next section with me. It's it's starting at verse 161. The Hebrew letter is, uh, in your Bibles, it might have both the pronunciations of sin and sheen. Now, the reason is because this is like the letter S in our English language. 
And the letter S can be pronounced differently depending on what letter follows it. So you can have the word sour and you can have the word shoe. It's the same first letter, but it's pronounced differently depending on on the the letter that follows. So in Hebrew, it's similar. So sin is written like there's a, the the Hebrew letter for for this looks like a W. Some of you have it in your Bibles there. It kind of looks like a W slanted. It's actually flames, a picture of flames. If there's a dot over the left uh, branch, it is pronounced seen. If it is over the right branch, it is pronounced shin. And by the way, this particular letter stands alone for the name of God. Because in Hebrew, one of the names of God is Shaddai. Shaddai meaning almighty. So sometimes Jews will write just the letter shin by itself as an indication for the name of God. That's this letter. Verse 161. Rulers persecute me without cause, but my heart trembles at your word. I rejoice in your promise like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. I wait for your salvation, O Lord, and I follow your commands. I obey your statutes, for I love them greatly. I obey your precepts and your statutes, for all my ways are known to you. I want to highlight with you verse 165, which says this, Great peace have they who love your law. It's number 21 on our list. It brings me great peace. When I read the Bible, it just brings me great peace. So many things in this life will rob us of our peace. You know, conflict around the world, uncertainty about the future, bad health, loss of a job, death of a loved one, marital conflict, difficulties with children, loneliness, financial hardship, on and on the list goes. So many things in this world can rob us of our peace. And so often we are doing all we can to kind of keep our head above water in terms of like not wanting to give in to anxiety and fear. But that usually is the default. When things come crashing and the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, marital conflict, some kind of strife, we, we, we generally by default start getting anxious and fearful and, and we lose our peace. And we need to understand, first of all, that God is the source of peace. I mean, the real peace that can wash over the human heart, God is the source of it. Isaiah 26, 3, God promises that he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is, King James says, stayed on thee. NIV says, him whose mind is steadfast because he or she trusts in the Lord. But again... The prophet says there, Isaiah 26, 3, that God will keep in perfect peace. God is the source of peace. And I can gain his peace by reading his word. Instead of giving into anxiety and fear, the thing that combats anxiety and fear in my life is the word of God. And when I read it, it is like medicine to a restless, anxious heart. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In other words, Jesus said, I give you the kind of peace that cannot be found anywhere else in this world. 
You can search for it high and low, and the world can pretend to promise it, but it cannot deliver it. Only Jesus offers the ultimate peace that we need in our hearts. So if Jesus promises peace, unlike the world or anyone else offers, why isn't it important to me? To read what Jesus says so that when I sit at his feet with the Bible and I read the words of Jesus, what happens? He brings me peace. He brings me peace. Read your word. Read the Bible. And let God's peace wash over you like medicine to a restless, anxious heart. The last section here uh, begins with the Hebrew letter Tav. Tav. Verse 169, may my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. May my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. May my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let me live that I may praise you, and may your laws sustain me. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. I want to highlight verses 171 and 172, because he talks in verse 171 about his lips, and in verse 172 about his tongue. May my lips overflow with praise. May my tongue sing of your word. This is very similar to what David would say in Psalm 141, verse 3. It's an important prayer for all of us. Listen to it. Psalm 141, 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The last section here, I think, teaches us this. That when we read the Bible, it trains my mouth for proper speech. Our mouths can get us in trouble. In case you haven't noticed, at some point in your life, most often because of what we do say, sometimes even because of what we don't say that we should have said, our mouths can get us in trouble. And we need a tool that can help shape proper speech in our lives. Ask yourself these questions. You ever felt like you needed to work on your bad language? Read the Bible. Ever felt like you have a critical tongue? Or a berating tongue. Read the Bible. You ever felt like you were quick to speak and slow to listen? Read the Bible. You ever felt like you have a problem with lying? Read the Bible. You ever felt like you were given to gossip or slander? Read the Bible. Words are so important to God. That Jesus even says this in Matthew 12, 36. Listen to these words. I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. God hears our words. He cares about what we say. Words carry weight. We need to be careful. And we need to honor God with our speech. And the Bible helps to train my mouth with proper Speech. Reading the Bible will help me in my speech to be edifying to others and glorifying to God. May that be our prayer. Lord, may your word help train my speech so that I might be edifying to others and glorifying to you. David said in Psalm 19, verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart 
be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.